going Uncle Ray's. Welcome to the Morning After Podcast, a Freedom Center Church podcast. All right, well, welcome to another episode of the Morning After Podcast. Pastor Josh here with you this morning with Pastor Jim. How are Good you doing morning, this morning, Pastor Josh. And then we have special guest Dina on with us this morning. morning. How's it going? So, right. so um, I just wanted to address something before we get started, and oh. that is I have a lot of people that are like, isn't Pastor Jim and Dina, they're your parents, right? <laughs> and yes, they are, but when we're when we're somewhere that's professional, like the church, uh, you guys are pastor and, and Dina. So if I call them that on the podcast, I don't, that's not like a, at home, I, I call them mad at pastor, me time. pastor and <laughs> Dina. Um, but it's just, it's not something that they've asked me to do, but this is just a professional place. So now, I, Is Hollis going to call me Pastor Grandpa? Uh, no, okay, no, he's good. probably just going to call you Grandpa. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so when you hear me when you hear me say that on the podcast, when you hear me say Dina <laughs> or or Pastor or whatever, it's, uh, it's just, that's what everybody else calls them here. So that's what I'll be calling them here too. Um, we're going to do something a little different today than what we normally do on the podcast. We're going to do more of a, there was a lot of questions from Sunday that didn't get answered. Yeah. So we're going to spend as little like two to three minutes on every question and just kind of go through some questions and try and answer as many as we can get through um with obviously saving a couple of minutes to talk about the next series coming up at the very the very end so every answer should begin with uh as i as i close yeah okay (laughs) yep yeah so um I'm gonna kind of sum up a couple of like a couple people texted in the same question and, and yeah. kind of worded it a little differently. But uh, Dino, when you were going through everything that you were going through as a kid, um, people want to know about antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds. Is was that ever an option? Are those biblical? Should people not take them? Um, when I was growing up, I didn't even have a clue what that was. Yeah. Um, and that was I think when um, it depression wouldn't even been something talked about like if you had depression you were in the mental hospital right and um everything so nope never even a consideration a thought um okay so i think the question is about today though too yeah yeah so that's that's good to know your story uh and then pastor i would say if someone came to you today and said my doctor thinks i should go on anti-depression medication anti-anxiety meds what would you What would you advise? Yeah, I, I, it's a touchy answer, isn't it? Because I mean, some people say, "Well, you, if, you, yeah. if you're on medicine, you don't have faith, um, and if you have faith, then you should do this or do that." I, I think this is the, the best thing. I think doctors, our medical doctors, deal with physiology and body. I, I think to say we well, have no faith, you shouldn't take insulin. You have no faith, you shouldn't take iron. You know, that, yeah, that, it's not. I think sometimes medicine helps us. I think anybody that says medicine's uh, you know is wrong, it means you have no faith. It's like, oh, come on, you take an aspirin for your headache. You're on antibiotics for the flu. You're you know. But yeah. I would say this: the the only thing that a medical doctor can do is treat a physical symptom. Right. I think what I would want to know is, is as you're treating that physical symptom, what causes that physical symptom? And sometimes it is a, a you know a lack. It's no vitamin D. It's that time of year we haven't right. seen the sunshine. It's you know, if that's the case, then by simple vitamins, you can you can get things back. You don't need to be on an antidepressant if all yeah. you need is vitamin D. And the best way to get that is to go on a mission trip to Haiti for a week and work right. in the sunshine, right. you know? Yeah. So yeah. I it's I think to say well, there's one size fits all answer. There isn't. You know, listen to your doctor. 
but but doctors treat symptoms they don't cure depression right um so what's causing it let's get to that and i think once you get to that the other stuff is that i guess maybe um i misunderstood your first question yeah um like in 2010 2011 when Mm -hmm. um i was really coming to grips with everything um yeah I was on a antidepressant. I was on um, a daily Prozac, mm-hmm. as well as I would have to take Xanax at night to sleep. But I was also in counseling. I was right. seeking healing from yeah. pr- prayer ministry. I was um, under a doctor's sure. care. So, I mean, I was just like, whatever it's going to take to, um, you know, get me to wholeness and stuff. So. Yeah. That well, and that was the same thing with my wife. After she had had Hollis, she had some bad postpartum, and it was we're going to counseling to figure this out, what's going on. But depression is a real thing, yeah. and I guess you don't really realize it until you have somebody that you care about go th- go through that. Yeah. But just to see you're not you, and there's a chem- there's a chemical imbalance yeah. in your brain, chemicals, hormones, right. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think just what's important is not. You know, should I be ashamed to be on medicine? Of course not. Right. You know what I mean? But is medicine my final solution? Maybe, yeah. maybe not. And, and right. I think getting to the roots of the issues, like you're saying, once you got to the roots of the issues, mm-hmm. the medicine was no longer necessary. Right. Correct. So, Same with Lauren. She was on it for six months, yeah. and then that was, yeah. that was thank, it. Thank God for stuff that helps us, man. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, right. whatever that, I mean, right. at that time in my life, I couldn't even think straight thoughts. Mm-hmm. I mean, that yeah. just yeah. something happened, you know? Right. And yeah. it was just, I went to college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you going to college triggered kind of the last straw. Stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Well, I'm back. Yeah. So pretty much it was your fault. Yeah. Okay, next question. All right, next question. <laughs> um, this person, they're all anonymous, by the way, so sure. I wish I could say that whoever asked this question, but they said that they thought your presentation was exceedingly brave and they had a ton of respect for you. And they said that they're trying to be more open with things that have happened to them in the past and they understand what a huge deal it, it is, but just how, like, how do you go about being more open and like telling people about well I mean past. that's obviously um, at the end of first service he asked me what is God dealing with me on now yeah and um, intimacy was a big one and that's not just um, like when people think of intimacy they right. think of sex yeah. but it's not, not that physical intimacy. I think no, of ice cream yeah. I think um, mostly you think of ice cream <laughs> yeah. if you weren't in first or second service they would totally miss that <laughs> yep. so just be um, happy you were in, you were in first service yes, second service. yes. But um, I was actually talking with someone afterwards and just said, the more you can talk about it, the more you can get it out, even if it's with a therapist or counselor, it's just, it's like getting all the yuck out and everything. So I encouraged everybody that I talked to, to find a trusted person, find someone that they could talk to, not just someone that was going to tell them what they wanted to hear, but somebody that was going to um, address the issues and everything. So... Um, I knew I had things, I was having responses to things in my soul mm-hmm. that I wanted to keep in there because I didn't want to tell anybody because that was, again, intimacy. And yeah. when somebody really knew what was going on in my heart, I was afraid of being rejected, afraid of being judged, afraid of, you know, ruining his ministry. Right. And so I just kept it all pushed down. And, um, Man, when you let the lid off, it just does something for you. So. Yeah. Is, you say intimacy. I, I wonder, is the word vulnerability almost a synonym for what you mean when you say intimacy? Like, I didn't want to be vulnerable. I didn't want to be rejected. I didn't want to be judged. 
Is that is that a, an accurate statement? That vulnerability, transparency. Oh, yeah. Okay, That's so it's not just so intimacy. It's like I can't have a close friend or I can't be intimate in in marriage because I think it's the wrong impression. It's like I can't be honest because if I'm honest, I'm taking a risk that I I just couldn't take. I couldn't bear it if right. I said if I bared yeah. my heart to you and you rejected me. I just don't want to be vulnerable. It's safer just to hold things in. Is that is that the right way to say that or no? Um. I mean, I guess you could. It's whatever. It's just, it's the word God gave me that yeah. I've been going after as intimacy. It's yeah. not, yeah. So Cool. Yeah, it could right. be either. I think I'm just going to keep that one with her. We'll go on to the next question. Yeah. Um, this one is for you too, Dina. Uh, people want to know what your thoughts are of your brother when you think of him now. I think of a man that went to um, the military. I think of a little boy that was... Um, beat by my dad that was mm-hmm. probably being sexually abused and it actually breaks my heart for him because of yeah. I can just see the the damage that it's done in him and what it's done to his family and right. everything so it my heart breaks for him that he um you know from a distance he goes to church he has a belief but um I don't know how the relationship is there between him and God. I don't know how his healing's coming along. But, um, no, God's given me a heart for not just the person that's been molested, but for the person that is molesting people. Because you don't know what's going on in them. Sure. It's making them do it. Yeah. And I think that is one huge... um, As someone who's been molested, you don't want to even love the molester, you know? But, man... God died for them just like he died for me and he died for my brother just like he died for me and wants whole wholeness and healing for him Mm -hmm. and um I want him to find freedom too right so well and I think a lot of that like you were saying like a lot of people that end up unfortunately molesting people have been molested as children they're victims themselves and they it's almost like something happens in their brains when they're younger and just something changes that isn't what we would say normal yeah right right yeah, okay. that's 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 science. If if your first sexual uh, contact is in some sort of an odd, abnormal way, your your brain doesn't know this is a, it just knows what it feels. Right. That, you know what I mean? And so yeah. you go back to that place that that you first encountered it and um, people that that molest children and so forth. It's like, what the heck? I've never had a thought in my life to right. look at a child and think that's stimulating. Where could that yeah. possibly come from? You you horrible pervert. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they are ostracized, obviously, by and and to some degree, there there may or may not be a danger of of having them around. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're they are not brought into intimate relationships. But again, why did this happen? And ostracizing never cured anybody, never helped yeah. anybody, never ministered anybody. So. Right. Okay. Next question. Um, I'm going to ask you a question, and then you two two different questions. So. Uh, Dina, how did you find your stride as a mother dealing with PTSD? And then Pastor Jim, what is your advice to husbands as their role while their wife's working through everything that they are wow, working find through? My stride as a mother, that's I think they're more referring to like when you were a mom of young of young children and you were kind of I mean you had just told Pastor about it 5 6 years ago. You're still obviously going through it like how do you how do you not want to be around your kids 24 hours a day to make sure that they're protected all the time and nothing horrible ever happens to them when you've had all these horrible things happen in your life? Because you weren't that standing behind me every day. At least if you were, I didn't see it. So, <laughs> um, so I guess how I think that's kind of what they're asking with like somebody that's had a very traumatic life growing up. How do you 
how do you not just expect that your children are going to have that same trauma and kind of let them be their own people? Yeah, I think, um, and I'm sure Pastor Harris probably doesn't even remember this, but when you were young and um, JD and you both were getting dedicated at the same time, I remember Pastor Harris looking me in the eye, and I mean, the Harrises didn't know anything that had happened. And he just said, these are God's kids first, and you need to know that he loves them, and he protects them, and he's going to keep them safe, and you have to trust him with them. You can't be there Mm 24-7. And I just remember thinking, yeah, but that's the same for me when I was a child. And um, But God just really just kept bringing me back, either you trust me with them or you don't trust me. And that at first it was very hard, but... um, you know, I remember you were just six weeks old the first time somebody came and got you mm-hmm. and took you. And I'm like, hmm. just, you know, it was fearful. And it wasn't yeah. fearful as in somebody's taking my baby, but what's somebody going to do to my baby right. or, you know, yeah. and stuff. And or so you got to face it at a whole new level. Your life is your life. But now you love these things more than your own life. And yeah, they're walking out the door with people, you know, but. Right. And the answer was nothing. They weren't going to do anything with me. I turned out totally fine. So. Yeah. 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 Well, I, the, the person that took him, it was our, like our first date night, and it was the doctor that delivered you and the family that right. adored you. And the, you know what I mean? I think we found those trusted people, but it wasn't like we trusted everybody because no one's ever harmed us. It was, you know, you were in the room when this thing popped out, and you're the one that, you know, led us through the pregnancy. And there was yeah. a level of trust with that family sure. that was higher than. Let's just go into the yellow pages. They don't have yellow pages anymore. Let's go on Craigslist and find a babysitter. <laughs> yeah, on Craigslist. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. This. Oh, can you yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm telling you right now. I don't know this, but I bet you on Craigslist there's, hey, I, I will babysit for your children in your home. Like, yeah, I'm going to find a babysitter for my children on Craigslist. You know, we yeah. were, we were part of a small farming community that everybody knew everybody, and <clears throat> that doesn't mean everybody's innocent or, or not harmful. Just right. you, you learn to know uh, who to trust. Yeah. And what so was my question? Your question was uh, your advice to husbands as their role while their wife is working through. Yeah, I, I just echo Paul. You know, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, laying mm-hmm. yourself down for her, washing her with the word. Um, it, it's confusing. It's frustrating. It's personal until yeah. you realize why. Right. And, you know, there's a story. Uh, a guy's driving his brand new Corvette home. It's December. Um, he's proud of his car. He's playing with the buttons, and all of a sudden, a snowball hits the windshield and breaks it. And he slams on the brakes. And there's this kid standing there with a the snowball in his hand, and he grabs him and throws him into the snow. What are you doing? It's my brand new car. And he said, "Please, Mister, my my buddy was um, sledding, and he and he's not moving. You know, he hit a tree, and he's not moving, and no one would stop to help me." It, it reframes it. It's like it's not that wasn't personal. There's a reason for this, and once yeah. you know the reason, then it's it's you know forget the windshield. We got a kid that's not moving. You know, right. call nine one one. So, I think if if I just say this to the spouses. Your, your spouse needs to know what you're going through, mm-hmm. like like both of you. Because if 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 you're cold, if you're distant, if you're angry, if you're hormonal, if you're up, if you're down, if you're you know you don't trust, you don't like. There has to be a reason why. And as soon as you know yeah. the reason why, you're not some kid that broke the windshield with a snowball. You're someone that needs help. Right. Everybody will stop for the kid that needs help. Everybody will stop for the spouse that's honest, that's going through the process. But if it's Absolutely. a secret. It, you know, then it doesn't make sense. And then it's all internalized. Well, you did this because, and all you have is your insecurities, your fears, you know, what you saw on the Hallmark Channel, whatever. Right. And it, you got to have the truth in those blanks. If there's no truth in those blanks, then the devil will be more than happy to fill it in with something that's not true. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, next question is for you as well, Pastor. But um, what was the process that you took to forgive her brother? You know, somebody asked me that the other day, <clears throat> Sunday, I guess. I, I, um, 
I don't know. I I mean, there's. I said Sunday, you know, the first my first impression, my reaction was to want to, you know, end that threat to by bodily harm, by force, by right. you know, the police officer. I, I wanted to yeah. kill him. Yeah, yeah. and and I, I I wouldn't take that back. I think anybody that finds out sure. there's been you know that level of harm done to somebody oh, yeah. you love, <clears throat> I think it's a brilliant reaction. It's just a terrible conclusion. Mm-hmm. So the painful reaction of I'm going to kill that son of a gun, you, you know, you can't live there. And when she's forgiving him, when God's forgiving him, when you know what I mean? I, I would be disagreeing with God and disagreeing with my wife. Yeah. Like, I'm the only one still mad. Everybody else is working through it. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and he's not in the room. I right. think the harder thing was not how did I deal with it when he was somewhere else? How, how did I deal with it when we we're all in the same room together? Right. And he's he's picking on his little sister uh, in a, some sort of a sarcastically biting way, and now I want to throw his face in the air in all the restaurant and flush it a few times. You know what right. I mean? Now, like, yeah. that was that was the test, um, you know, granddad's funeral. Like, do how do I react to this guy in the room? And I just told her, listen, I'm going to be kind of protective, but I don't want to get in the way of you and your brother's, you know, natural relationship and what you're, you're the supernatural thing that God's trying to do. Yeah. But I think, I think again, once I'm watching her hold his hand when we pray over the food together, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Watching her not behaving like he's, you know, the enemy right. or the one who destroyed her child. It just, she's forgiven him. I'm the last guy in the room that's not at peace. Like you, you catch yeah. up. So right. once yeah. she was, if she's okay, not mad about it, then you don't have any right to be yeah, mad about yeah, it. He almost. didn't sin against me per se. Right. He sinned against God and mm-hmm. God is, is there to forgive. He sinned against her and she is forgiven. I'm, I'm disagreeing with what right. God's doing at that yeah. point. So I, I think, I think the reaction to want to hurt, you know, what hurt, who you love is natural. I wouldn't even fight it. Yeah. That's okay. He's just like, no, it's not okay. That's a right. terrible injustice. And you should be enraged for a little while, but you can't stay enraged. That's, right. that's a great reaction, but it's a, it's a terrible conclusion. And I think some people are still, years later, still mad at you know the Nazis. It's like, okay, it, you know, we're kind of friends with Germany now. Like, it's okay to get right. over it. It's, it's okay yeah. to have reconciliation and forgiveness. Yeah. You know? Cool. Um, pastors always said this, but since... Like the things that happened in your childhood, you can kind of tell when people are hurting when most people can't tell. This person just asked a question that says that um, they said that they think it's important to note that things like this can happen in seemingly safe homes. So what are things that you you look for when you know like that person's going through something? Like how can other people that think that children are in seemingly safe homes and then maybe not children, but just people in general, like th- that they're hurting and that they're not as great as they, th- they think right, they're looking. Right. Um, I think anybody that would have been in our house growing up would have seen very weird behaviors in me, if you were. Um, I, I used to have like fits of rage. I mean, like <clears throat> kicking, screaming, hitting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I would write horrible letters to my parents and like stick them underneath the doors, but, but like while people would be at our house. And um, I think there's, if a child all of a sudden changes behaviors, if, um, you know, they no longer want to be around somebody, that's, for the life of me, I still don't know how grandma and grandpa could have missed, you know what I'm, mm-hmm. that's, they would make me have to go somewhere with my brother, and I would, like, I'm talking 13 years old, kicking and screaming, and um, yeah, if I saw a 13-year-old that was doing that, it would make me want to question what why doesn't right. why does this happen every time they have to be with them or okay. you know what yeah. I'm saying or um, yeah it's and it's so hard to tell some kids just close down completely but I think you can definitely see a difference 
and a child when something's going on and everything. Right. And I think asking Holy Spirit to, you know, show you yeah. for discernment and everything. So I think too, like one of the things we did here at the church, we first came, it was built on a budget in a different era. Um, so we had solid doors, no windows in the classrooms. We we put children in a room, you know, sometimes a child in a room with a, an adult. You know, right. It just was the norm. And then as, as kind of some molestation in, in the Catholic Church and other things were coming out, we became really like, hey, we can't do this anymore. There's no corners that people can tuck in behind. So we opened up walls and we put in big pieces of glass and cut open the doors and things. I, I think thinking in those terms that the, the world is not a safe place. And our, and our children, even the trusted family members that we have, like, let's, let's not be, you know, let's not be naive. They're, we're fallen flesh. And, and I'm yeah. not saying be suspicious, but don't be so trusting that we put people in vulnerable situations. I, I think preventing this is the greatest thing we can do um, through proactive steps or, you know, like we're, we've been married for 30 years now, but I don't, I don't have like conversations with women unless my wife is in the text conversation, is sitting yeah. next to me on the phone. You know, it's not because I'm going to go have an affair. It's because I know if my wife's in, in the conversation, there's no sure. misunderstanding. There's no first step yeah. towards a hundred mile journey that, right. that leads to nowhere. It's the killing the lizards instead of killing yeah. dragons. Step, step on the eggs. Yeah. yeah. Instead of, instead of fighting dragons. So, right. But I, I just, I, I think too, if I could just comment on, on she just knows. I, I think people, yeah. I mean, as, as a former addict, I meet people and I can tell sometimes right, right. off the bat because there's just a, sometimes it's a smell, sometimes it's a it's a verbiage, it's a, the way they carry themselves, a lack of eye contact, it's a, they're hiding something. You know what right. I mean? And, and I think it's limbic. I don't think I'm consciously thinking about it. I think it's deeper in my brain where I just don't trust the car salesman. I can't yeah. explain to you why. I just don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, I, and she said That's to true. me countless times, I just got a weird feeling about that person. I think yeah. they need help. I got a weird feeling about that person. I don't think we should put them in leadership until we know them better. Right. Or, and you say, well, what does that mean? I don't know. Like, it's okay to say, I don't know, but I don't, there's something in me that doesn't trust something in them. Whether that's spiritual discernment or body line, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If, until there's trust, you don't, you don't put anything vulnerable in its care. You right. Know? Yeah. All right. Next question. Um, this person said, uh, what if there are no tomorrows? The person that I need to forgive has already passed away. I don't really know how to, if who wants to take that answer on that you one. You should go for that yeah. one. I, I think, I think forgiveness does a couple powerful things. One is it, it lets everybody know I don't hold yesterday against you. Yeah. That's the obvious one. The, the one that's not obvious, but it's more powerful is, and I no longer have to carry it with me. You know what I mean? So I don't think you need, I mean, you, you've written letters that have gone unresponded to. So in a way, you're, he is dead. He's chosen to be dead to you right now. Um, it didn't stop you from forgiving him. It doesn't stop you from doing what Jesus commanded us to do. Um, and I think it's almost this justice. I, yeah. I want to hurt him back. Now he's dead. I, I can't. I want to forgive him, but now I can't because he's gone. It's, it's not true. You, you make the decision before God primarily, and then the fruit of that is what you say to men. But you, it doesn't. It isn't a, a man-to-man transaction. It's a God-to-man transaction that becomes a man-to-man transaction. So, I choose to forgive. I'm not going to hold against them. And we're going to talk about this in this upcoming series. Kind of what forgiveness is, what it looks like, mm-hmm. how it functions, what its purpose is. Why is why is it taken so seriously? Like no other thing we can do. Um, you know, spirit has more spiritual power. Forgiveness has more spiritual power. I think than true anything else I, yeah. the whole Lord's prayer he comes back to one thing that's said in the prayer to explain it he doesn't explain hallowed be thy name or father in heaven or all these radical things that are being said he comes back to one thing and that's forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against yeah. us it's, it's extraordinary it's extraordinarily powerful it's compounding interest 
if I have a great investment and it's compounding an in interest, it's the most powerful thing in the universe. Right. If, I, if I have a credit card company and there's compounding interest, it's the most extraordinarily painful thing. Forgiveness is like that. Yeah. What he said. What he said. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Um, there has, just going through these questions, we're, there's no way we're going to get to all of them because there's literally like almost 100 questions that people texted oh in. Goodness. So I'm trying to just take the ones that are asked several different yeah, times and right. ask them and they're not the ones that are too personal or asking things about specific family members in your life. Um, so one that I keep seeing over and over again is just when you were a child and all of this was going on, was was suicide ever contemplated? It seems like a lot of people are kind of struggling with that of just, I don't know how much more of this I can take. Right, so. right. Wow, that's, um, we live in such a different age yeah. these days, you right. know? Yeah, would, um, could, like, was that even a thing when no. you were growing up? Like, did you ever heard of I somebody mean, committing suicide? I, or? I remember once somebody saying somebody committed suicide, and I was like, what's that mean? Yeah. And, how old you were know, you when that happened? Maybe 10. Okay. And I just remember my parents saying, right. you're too young to understand. Yeah. And, didn't and now even a, explain a five-year-old it. in kindergarten would probably know right? what suicide right? is. Yeah. And that's, I actually remember we were um, either married or dating, and somebody committed suicide. And I remember I was like, what's that even mean? Right. And he wow. had to explain. Right. Yeah. And um, I just didn't have a clue. I mean, I also grew up in a very, very small community. And yeah. so it just was never a thought, you know, like they never talked about it on TV. They never. Well, I mean, and we didn't have cable TV. So, <laughs> I mean, that's it's just a totally different society now just bombards you with so much yeah. and everything. So, yeah, that's you want to yeah um did you that's really not my question yeah that i consider suicide right but i guess somebody that maybe is having those thoughts obviously it's seek help immediately yes right yes and then i you know suicide happens when hope is erased when you cannot envision a tomorrow that has less pain in it than today right you decide in some ways to just there's there's no hope and I'm going to end the pain. I'm going to get even with the people that hurt me. I'm going to and really what it is is two things. It's, it's hopelessness taking control, right? But it, it isn't. It's hopelessness winning the war. It, you're you're not taking control. You're losing the war. You should tell somebody. And I don't. I mean, I, I don't. I don't care what. It, I'm like. I'm serious. There's nothing Jesus can't beat. So yeah. if hopelessness is the root cause of suicide, and Jesus is hope. I, you know, gee, I wonder what the answer is. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's uh, I've known people that have committed suicide for for noble reasons, if you will. Um, they 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 were mentally ill, believed that they, whoever they were, were coming for their family. Right. And the only way to protect their family. I mean, but that's that's full on, you know, delusional stuff. That's, yeah. That's. But for the most part, it's it's just a it's just a consummating a lie. Right. It's, it's it's validating something that was never true and yeah and it's it's an awful thing to do to people and yeah. yourself right again i think i'm just gonna say that you feel like you can't go on another day because you don't have somebody walking alongside the um, journey with you right that um i spoke with the young mom at ascend the other night and just the stuff she was talking to me about i'm like do you have anybody to text when you know and she wasn't talking suicide she wasn't talking any of that but sure She's just like, I don't have anybody to talk to. She's like, I just feel alone. And, you know, I gave her my cell phone number. And I'm like, anytime you feel that way, you call me, you text me, you, 
you know, because yeah. um, you wouldn't think that like talking to somebody would all of a sudden make you feel better. Like it doesn't make sense. Like, why would I tell somebody my problems and all of a sudden I feel better about my problems? Yeah. But there's just something about yeah. getting it off your chest and just like oh, somebody else knows what I'm going. And, and hope now. is transferable. I can take yeah. my hope and give you hope. Right. It, it literally is an exchange. Yeah. That, that is possible. And by giving you my hope, I don't have less. You, yeah. you just have more. Right. You know what I mean? I actually probably have more hope, if anything, by helping you find yours. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I even come back to something J.D. said, Pastor J.D., sorry, <laughs> <laughs> said um, one day when we were in life group and just how when he's wrestling with something, mm-hmm. he'll go for a walk with himself where he makes himself talk out loud. Like, right. yeah. just, you know, he's talking to right. God, he's talking, and he's sometimes like... sometimes when you say that, you realize how ridiculous the thoughts yeah, are that are in your yeah. head. Yeah, or that yeah. he said, you know, do I really think that, you know, right. and makes himself mm-hmm. stop and question the, mm-hmm. okay, do I really believe that I do or I don't, you know? Yeah, and he it, takes every thought captive that makes it obedient to Christ, and that's his process, taking it from I'm just so whatever, and I don't even know why, bring it right. to the front of the brain and putting it on trial, you know, hearing it, its testimony in court and going, that's inferior. I yeah. hereby condemn, you know, that thought to be guilty right. of, you right. know, but being a pretension. Say, there, I mean, I guess I'm just even saying it doesn't have to be a physical somebody. It's yeah. a, I'm yeah. talking to God, but I'm actually talking. It's not I'm writing in a journal yeah. or I'm... Yeah. You know, um, it's there's good. just something about talking. Like, yeah, that's good. You know, David encourages himself in the Lord at his yeah. darkest moment, and I don't think that's him sitting still cross-legged with incense burning. Right. I, just if you understand the story, what just happened to him should have ended him. Everything is gone. Everyone he knows is against him. His own friends, best friends, people he's been to war with want to kill him. He's literally alone. He goes into his tent, and he encourages himself in the Lord. That's, that's a great study for anybody who's wrestling. Like what, did, what did he say to God? What did he say to himself? Yeah. What did he? But he didn't lay there in his own juices. You know what I mean? Like, you got to get out of your own junk. And I, like you're saying, expressing that verbally to a friend, to God, just don't sit in it. You can't sit in your poopy diaper and wonder what stinks. You mean yeah. you, you got to get away from it. You got to get clean from it. Yeah. And that's a process. Right. All right. Well, I think this is going really good, so I'm going to make it uh, extend a, the podcast a little ooh, bit more, maybe five ooh, or ten, point, maybe oh. five or ten more yeah. minutes, because um, we still have to talk questions. about next week, which I'm yeah. super excited yeah. about. So um, this one's a little bit more lighthearted since we've been going heavy <laughs> so long. But uh, Dino, whenever you're having a bad day, what's your go-to scripture that you can kind of remind yourself of? Wow. Um, or is there even one? Is it multiple scriptures? It's multiple. Yeah. That. Um, Philippians 4, I believe it is, that talks about whatsoever things are true, pure, yeah. noble, praiseworthy, think on these things. Yeah. And that's when I just really have to stop and say, okay, what's really going on in my head and my heart? And, you know, I'm a lot quicker now to realize that, that okay, something's going on that needs to be dealt with. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I have to ask myself, are there things I'm believing right now? Are they true? Are they things Jesus would say amen to? Or, you know, and if they're not, it's okay, then what would he say? And yeah. replacing the lie mm-hmm. with the truth and everything. So that's my one. But um, he works all things together for my good. Romans eight twenty eight, you mm-hmm. know, is another one. And um, then Ephesians three twenty, my favorite, that God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask, think, or imagine. Yeah. And so I just feel like, he can take the things from my past and do so much more with them than I could have ever possibly imagined or thought he could ever do with them. Yeah. So that's why sharing my story, if I see one person get changed, one person get healed, one person get set free, 
that's exceedingly abundantly above because right. growing up the lie was you're going to be a loser nobody's mm-hmm. ever going to want you mm-hmm. you're never going to you know <laughs> yeah. in your and, face yeah <laughs> and so to I see that, that it's wow it. yeah Awesome. What I picture when you said that is like a final four that the guy's going for a layup and he gets rejected. Like you jump up and slam the ball back in his face. <laughs> You're like, no way are you scoring, you know. Uh, Pastor, that question wasn't aimed at you, but just maybe some scriptures that you, you have whenever you're going through the – or yeah. do you just go talk to Dean and she makes you feel better? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think when when I find myself on the wrong side of, of hope, when I find myself on the wrong side of fear or whatever it is, I, same thing. You go back to what's solid. You know, the the word is like the rock that you build your home on, your house on, and so the wind and the waves and the rain and the sli- it's all it's all going to come. You know what I mean? That's it's eventual, but that's where I think that parable means. It doesn't mean I I did this biblically. It's mean when the wind blows, you know, attach that much harder into, you know, what's yeah. stable, what's not moving, what's not shaking is the word of God. So right. holding on to that's everything. And I, I I agree. There's I can't encourage myself with other information. I have to encourage myself with truth. I can't yeah. I can't fight facts with facts. I have to fight facts with truth. Some facts are devastating. Right. You know, cancer diagnoses and you know what I mean? Like you sure. you can't go, well, okay, but the fact is that thirty three percent, like that doesn't matter. The the truth is, you know, yeah. I'm in God's hands and he's a healer. Yeah. You know? That's good. Um, last one, last question. Uh, this person wants to know, um, just healthy ways of coping. They say so many people that have things that happen to their to them in their life, they turn to porn or alcohol or drugs or sometimes even work. People just go to work and work 14-hour days and don't yeah. want to um, come home because they don't like the reality of what yeah. home is. So just h- healthy resources for people to, to kind of cope. Oh, wow. I guess I would say um, listening to podcasts, digging in your word, <laughs> uh-huh. journaling, um, those are such great, amazing ways to, um, yeah, that's, I was just telling dad last night, somebody that I love to listen to on podcast was talking about how parenting was overwhelming to them and they just didn't know how to cope. So they began drinking and, um, but this person knew how to run a business like nobody else. And Mm -hmm. she would literally go to work and keep herself there 14, 16 hours a day because she didn't want to go home to deal with her children. And um, she said she remembered praying one day and just saying, God, I don't want to be this. I'm drinking way too much. I'm um, staying at work. You know, she just really distanced herself from Mm -hmm. her kids, her family, because she didn't know how to cope or how to. She grew up in a violent home, and she was herself afraid of becoming violent and didn't want to. And it was when she was praying, and God said, you taught yourself how to run a business. You taught yourself how to be a wife. Now, let's learn this together and parent together. And mm-hmm. she said, once she said that, God just started opening up tools for her to grow in that. And now she said, I can't wait to get home at nights. Like, I'm no longer a workaholic. I'm no longer drinking too much wine. I'm, yeah. you know, and yep. I, I was just so encouraged by that to, right. you know, with God, he can partner with you to do whatever. I think it's awesome too, to see really successful people say, Hey, I struggle with this mm-hmm. too. Like I'm not superhuman. I'm exactly like you are. Yeah. So I don't know about copyright things. I would say who it was, but <laughs> that's, that's a, I'm not trying to be secretive yeah. and everything. But, right. Yeah. Ask, ask her at church on Sunday. If you want to know who that person is. Pastor, do you have anything to contribute to that question? Well, yeah, the question was, how do you cope? And I, I think you got to have a better goal than coping. Yeah. Uh, how, how do I get victory? How do I live the life I want to live? What's my dreams? What's my calling? You know what I mean? I think that that, 
I think if the goal is to make it another day, that's okay if you're adrift in the ocean. <laughs> you know what I mean? Waiting yeah. for rescue. Right. But we're not waiting for rescue. We've been rescued. We're we're planting farms. We're building, you know, uh, lumber mills. We're we're attacking the mountain and getting the gold out of it. Like, I think just the mindset of how can I survive another day is is already a defeatist mindset. I don't. I, yeah. If you're there and that's all you got is living another day, then live another day. But at some point, you got to have a higher goal than the next breath. Right, and so you know, you having this these goals to to do things, to go places, to help people, to serve the staff, to build the church. You know what I mean? That that that's it's a good reason to get out of bed, to sharpen the edges, to you know. I think one of the reasons you're you're into all these leaders that you're talking now is you're taking on a more significant leadership role in the last year at the church, and you're like, I want to be a great one. You know, so it's if she walks in every day saying, "Gee, I hope I don't screw up this leadership position today," she's never going to be a great leader. You yeah. got to listen to great leaders, have a great vision. Right. So, how do I cope? What are the coping tools? I, I think that's I think that's a terrible question. I think the right question is, how do I gain final victory and just kick the devil's butt? And mm-hmm. and that is a different question. How would I do that? I think you got to start with a dream. You got to start with a vision. Yeah. Got to you got to know what Jesus says about you. Right. You got to you got to have the mechanisms now that all things do work together for good. But God is also exceedingly abundantly, and mm-hmm. take every thought captive. And it's a it's a battle. You're, we are not on Miami Beach, man. This is Omaha Beach, and people are getting shot left and right. So yeah. don't cope. Just kill the Nazis. You know what I mean? Get, take the beach yeah. and 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 move inland. And uh, it's I think it's just a better mindset. Right. Cool. All right. Well, uh, we're already way over time, but <laughs> you, I'll give you like two two ish minutes because this is. Oh, you give them to me. Yeah, you work for me, yep. man. Look at me. Who give me two more right. podcast people? Who give me two more minutes? Two, oh, four, geez. six, eight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, jeez. So, so uh, we are moving into our Easter series this yeah. week. Pathways is finally over. For not finally, it was a, it was a good, it was a good series. Yeah. Um, so now we're moving on to our Easter series called yeah. Forgive. So maybe just you you've got two minutes. Uh, one minute of just this Sunday, and then yeah. just the overall series. What the series? Oh, is this about. Sunday. This Sunday, uh, we have a guest speaker. We normally don't say that. You know, we don't want to say there's a guest speaker because yeah. we go, "Oh, it's a guest speaker." I, I like what I like. Kevin Ramsby, his his story. I just talked to him yesterday. His story is something you would expect to find in the Book of Acts. It, mm-hmm. it is literally a. You know, people say, "Oh, biblical proportions." What he went through, how he's walked that journey. And then gone back to the city that that literally m- murdered him, yeah. uh, and it, by the grace of God, he didn't die, but stabbed right. you know dozens of times in an attempt to kill him. And just it's it really he's going to go after that you know where was God when sort of question, and it's going to begin to to frame our thoughts on the series, which is about about the power of mercy. You know, from there we're going to proceed to forgiving our enemies, and boy, that's that's hard forgiving those who harmed us and. Right. You know, the, the number one question we got, as I understand it, was how? How did you, how did they, how now do you? Like, it's, yeah. it's a significant question. We're going to answer it uh, two weeks from, or a week from Sunday. And then how to forgive ourselves. I mean, forgiving someone who harmed me is one thing. Forgiving myself for an abortion or for a lost season of my life to addiction or for hurting my children the way that I did or, you know, whatever. It, it is a... Forgiving yourself is a significant part of freedom. And then Easter Sunday, the forgiveness of God. We're going to just just get into this beautiful, costly, victorious forgiveness that, mm-hmm. that is extended to us. And then the last one we're going to do is it'll be a, a panel discussion where people that have taken the significant steps of forgiveness are going to tell their story. And again, right, listen, we did now, they're going to, people are going to ask their questions. How did you, yeah. what did you, when did you, why did you, you know? Right. Um, so that's, that's our series. It's going to, was that four weeks on, on forgiveness? Um, yeah. Maybe five. I Kevin, five. forgiving, being, yeah, forgiving your enemies. 
forgiving yourself. Yeah, it's five, five yep. weeks. So it'll, I, I, if we hadn't done the series on neuroplasticity <laughs> and new <laughs> pathways, we almost couldn't. We're going to go here in a very different way than we've ever gone here before. There yeah. is freedom physically, uh, emotionally, and spiritually, and, and we're going to go after those, those things for people. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks for being on, guys. Thanks for your transparency. I know it's not always easy, but the more transparent you are, obviously, I think the more healing it brings to people that are listening and going through stuff. And you guys already know that. Intimacy is a good thing. Yeah. Yep. So thanks for being on. Um, Like Pastor was saying, this week is going to be awesome. Pastor Kevin came and talked to Men's Breakfast a couple months ago, and uh, the things that he said and the things that he's been through. Pastor's right. It is literally a story out of Acts. There's uh, he won't tell you this, but it seems like there's some angelic visitations that happened that the That's only crazy. way that he gets out of being there alive. So you do not want to miss it. It's going to be an awesome Sunday, 9 and 1130 at Freedom Center Church in Fenton, Michigan, 2473 West Shiawassee Avenue. If you're hearing the podcast and you're just out of town and you can't make it, we'd love to see you on live stream or Facebook live at nine in the morning. And until then, have a great week and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>